Hey Chad, how was your uh, how was your trip, your travels? My well, Jared. So it's been the long Labor Day weekend, and uh, it has come and gone. But my travels were fantastic. Took a little camping trip to the east side of the state. Uh, I think I think I mentioned on the pod before one of the reasons why I got Buddy the transit van was uh, to see more of the state of Michigan, and uh, and I have been doing just that. And so I was at well, I was at Pontiac Lake Recreation Center where we actually recorded our. Uh, episode about camping but then i went further east after that and i learned jared speaking of uh, weird names and mispronouncing them it's not algonac it's algonac so thankfully i was talking to uh, i befriended the uh, family at the campsite next to me at lake pontiac and uh, I heard the guy say Algonac before, like an idiot, I said Al- Algonac. So. That actually makes sense, though. I mean, that's just how it's phonetic. You just added the Spanish Nune to it. Right. Well, and I, and I put the stress on the O and not the, uh, the Al- oh, Al- Algonac Al- instead of Algonac. I got Algonac, I guess, is how you would... Algonac makes sense. I, I like the uh, I like how you took it to the next level. You're like, this is probably a Spanish originated town, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Based on my extensive knowledge, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but it was beautiful. You should have corrected man. the guy. It was uh, the weather was great and it was awesome. It was to, great. What? I said it was great. It really, it really you. was. And and as we mentioned in our Labor Day episode, I mean, one of the beauties of Labor Day is to enjoy that beautiful, you know, summer mm-hmm. transition to fall weather where it's. Not crazy hot, uh, but also not really cold. And yeah, I could not have asked for better camping weather. It was a great, great time, man. Thank you so much for asking. And um, it, it did make me uh, want to hop over to Canada, though. So uh, one of these days, uh, we might have to do an untranslatable on the road again and visit our uh, brothers and sisters in Canada. Have you never been to Canada before? I've been with you to Windsor for for formal before, dude. Oh right, yeah, yeah. That was a good time. That was a good time. That's a lot of fun. And I took my my uh, my buddy David from Germany and my friend. Uh, well, we've had her on before, um, uh, Annabelle. We all went to Windsor when they came uh, for Christmas, like three years ago or so. It was great. Um, what What do you do if you're not a college kid that is 19 or over, excited to be able to drink legally at a bar? What do you do in Windsor? There's one Italian restaurant I used to love to go to. I can't think of what it's called right now, but I, I do like it. We got some great shawarma when we were there. There were like quite a few decent shawarma spots in Windsor. I'm not really sure, man. I mean, we just made a, a quick little day trip and kind of drove around. I got gotcha. you. You know, didn't didn't yeah. really do anything. I mean, I feel it's like... It's exciting that Canada's right there. Right. But it, it, Windsor's not really an exciting place, unfortunately. You didn't take them to the casino? We, we, we didn't. <laughs> no, we didn't. Um, Hit the slot machines? I think the thing is, if you're going to make a trip out of Canada, you have to go to, like, Toronto, like you did before yeah you know which is not bad i mean toronto's the same distance as chicago at least time wise it is i don't know right. about you know actual distance so yeah but yeah no uh just curious just curious because i've been there before and i'm like well ex- oh spago besides spago i don't really know what else i'm gonna do while i'm here so yeah well gambling's um, one thing or maybe hit the nightclubs uh because we used to do that but that's also more yeah. of a college kid thing i guess uh we're, we're getting old jared what can i say you're not interested in nightclubs anymore? Not really, no. I mean, a bar, okay, but yeah, just going to I a club, like I can, man. I don't know. I feel like I can still picture a time in my life where you'll be dragging me to some sort of club I don't want to go to. Maybe. If we do some traveling abroad again, it'll probably happen again. I mean, never exactly. say never, Jared. That's for sure. Hey, I have a question. Do you still have your ears to the ground on what's happening culturally in China these days at all? Oh, oh I do, and I'm glad you brought this up because I wanted to talk about that today. I'm curious about it because in this, 
So China banned uh, kids from playing video games during the week, like certain hours during the week, mm-hmm. where they have like a limited amount of time they can play or whatever. Uh, this is and this is not the first time they've done something like this, right? Well, um, well, speaking of video games, Jared, one of the reasons why consoles uh, aren't really big over there is I don't know if they banned consoles, but they definitely like consoles are way more popular. I think in Japan, South Korea, in China, it's mostly computer games. So it was really funny when I was talking when I was still teaching at the university in China. Uh, I ended uh, my contract, unfortunately, in uh, in July was when it ended. But before that, when I was still in contact with a lot of my students, they would always ask me about gaming. But the thing is, I'm not a PC gamer. I have a console. You know, I have a PlayStation. So it was always really interesting to talk uh, to them about games and video gaming because for them it was always computer, you know, PC-based. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for for a while, uh, hold on, for, for from, um, I have it written down here. From 2000 to 2015, video game uh, video game consoles and were banned for the most part. But there were some there were some loosenings of the restrictions during that time. Like PlayStation Two, Three, one of those two uh, became available during that time period. I think 2004, so that must have been PlayStation Two. Um, and I think it loosened as as it, as the time went along. It wasn't just like a straight up ban, but there still was like a you know hard to get, hard to find games and stuff like that. So even yep. though it might not have been a full on ban, you know, it was still not easy to come upon. And probably more expensive, I would bet too, to like get your hands on a console. So when you were to talk to your students, they would have no hesitation to uh, to talk about how much they love video games. Oh, not at all. I had quite a few students who are who who are huge, huge. You know. I don't know. Can you say the term "gamerhead"? Is that is that a thing or just gamer? You I can guess. You just say gamer. Yeah. Right? You don't really have that head right, to that's it. That's true. <laughs> but yeah, they were they were big time gamers, and it was always funny because you know the usually the first week of classes, even when I was teaching virtually, we would always do like a little icebreakers, you know, get to know you activities, and a lot of uh, a lot of my students were were really big into uh, modern warfare, Call of Duty. Uh, a couple students of mine were big FIFA fans, so you know I kind of talked to them about FIFA a little bit and which players and mm. teams they like to use. Um, also, I had two students that were big Red Dead Redemption fans, which uh, I also love that game. So we nerded yeah, out on I RD2. heard that game is fun, but there's too much walking around or horse riding yeah, around. You got yeah, do. it's it's <laughs> yeah. Well, see, the thing is with that game, Jared, is you have to get to a point where, and I think it might only be after you beat the game. Uh, or you can quote unquote fast travel, and that's when it starts mm. to get fun because you can just set up camp, and then you can go yeah. to different cities. You don't have to ride the horse all the way there. But yeah, yeah, I used to be an Assassin's Creed head, as you would call it, <laughs> and um, and you had to travel to all these faraway places once. But once you got there and like unlock some sort of achievement when you got there, then you could fast travel to it. So all these faraway places you had to go, you did have to go to once. But then it's like, all right, now you got to go back to where you came from. You don't have to go all the way back. <laughs> like right. you can now fast travel back. Um, China, so here are the rules, by the way. China has barred online gamers under the age of 18 from playing on weekdays and limited their play to just three hours most weekends. Three hours for kids these days. is nothing. As a, exactly. <laughs> uh, marking a significant escalation of restrictions on the city country's massive gaming industry. Yeah, uh, starting I this week, too, Jared. How that will affect professional gamers? Because I'm sure there are some professional gamers in China, and like any profession that's more like, you know, kind of practice based, or, or you know, even, I think professional gamers in some ways are kind of like professional athletes in that they have to practice a lot, they have to keep up on their skills, right? And so I wonder how that will affect them. 
I agree with you about like the about the professional aspect, but it is for kids, you know. Right. Oh, true. So, That's a good point. Yeah. So if you're over 18, you're welcome to uh, ruin your life as much as you want. <laughs> I don't actually think it's ruining your life, but it seems like the Chinese government might feel that way a little bit. Uh, starting this week, minors will be allowed only an hour of play time between 8 and 9 p.m. on Friday. Weekends and public holidays according to a statement from Chinese media watchdog, the National Press and Publication Administration that was posted by state news uh, agency Jinhao on Monday. The move represents a huge tightening of earlier limits set by the agency in 2019, which had restrictions, restricted play to 90 minutes on weekdays and three hours on weekends for children. Authorities said that the restrictions were put in place to ha- help prevent young People becoming addicted to video games. Do um, there's got to be a way around this, by the way. Pro- there's probably got to be. I'm, Much like VPNs allow you to do something, right. you know, whatever you want with the internet. However, even with VPNs, dude. I mean, I noticed around holidays when I was still living in China that mm-hmm. my VPN would get throttled. So, like the first week of October is, um, I mean that whole uh, that first week. I think they call it like Golden Week, if I remember, or something like that, which is where they celebrate kind of the founding of China. Um, I think also, um, oh, I'm forgetting the name now of, um, of the holiday. But anyways, during that week, dude, I, couldn't, I could not get my VPN to work whatsoever. So, and, and they do have crazy infrastructure over there in terms of monitoring, blocking, throttling VPNs and internet usage. Yeah. Um, but but like, like you say, Jared, like anything, there are probably some loopholes or some ways around it. I wonder too, you know, what about like a, like if you have like a Game Boy or a Nintendo Switch? Because I don't think those are are those connected to the internet or 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 let me rephrase: right. Do they need to be connected to the internet for you to play them? Right, right. It must. It, it, the only way I could see that work. That's a good point. The only way it really works is if they're specific. They, you can only really, I guess, specifically clamp down on like online play. Right. And even if you had like you a just, PlayStation, if you don't connect yeah. it online, you could still play your games. That's true. I never. I've never. I, I've played games online, obviously. I've never in my own personal time by myself ever like gone online and played another person. It's always just been the... So if I were in China, this would I probably have no effect on my... Right. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, all right, whatever. I guess I'll just keep playing by myself like I always do. Do you think uh, video games are ruining uh, children? No. Not just in China, I, well, but just generally let, let speaking. Let me put it this way, Jared. I, video games, no. I think if you do anything too much to add nauseum it's bad for you uh anything even, sure. even trying to do healthy things to to a crazy degree isn't healthy in my opinion either uh, i mean i mean shoot if you drink too much water you could technically drown yourself you know anything in over excess is bad uh, including video games but i grew up playing video games i think i've turned out okay i don't know you may mm-hmm. disagree jared <laughs> but uh <laughs> but you know I, I don't think you know i think there are some good things about video games i think some of them you know there's some problem solving skills involved if you're playing like a game like an rpg game with other people you know there's like communication skills and teamwork skills so no i think video games are are something that uh kids and adults alike should be able to enjoy but once again, just like with anything in life, Jared, moderation is important. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I mean, sure, I agree with you. Um, I um, I don't think video games are, I don't know. I don't know. I kind of think maybe they are a little bit. I don't think they're ruining pe- people in the sense that like it turns people into, you know, mass shooters or something like that. 
or you know, or make. I, I don't. I don't know about that part. But um, this is gonna sound suit like this is gonna be the oldest thing I've ever said. It's perfect that I just turned a year older the other day because. This oh, is happy be belated birthday, buddy! I'm a terrible friend and didn't even wish you a happy birthday. I feel like we had this conversation last episode, um, and you said happy belated birthday last episode. I might have. Um, <laughs> Uh, um, does that make you a worse or better friend that you Probably forgot worse. that you said it? Uh, worse. <laughs> Definitely worse. <laughs> um, I do think it, uh, like, <laughs> I cannot believe I'm about to say this. That, like, kids don't want to go outside as much anymore. Okay, and boomer. The, that does make you sound <laughs> super old. <laughs> there's, the allure to play outside is not there as much, I would say. And I think, I don't know if that's great. Um, but I don't think it, I don't think it's ruining kids in the way that I feel like, I don't know. That's, I don't know. Well, can I say this though too, Jared, at least since we're talking about kids, it just makes me sad. (laughs) Sure. Well, well, you know, when we were kids, well, I mean, when we were kids, video games were around, but I just don't think they were as popular or as accessible as they are now. So, so it's just, yeah, it's just a different circumstance, I guess, growing up. I will say this though, Jared. I do think that a lot of kids in China do spend a lot of time outside. You see basketball courts all over the place in China. Um, I, I always loved seeing um, the the aunties, uh, you know, the grandmas and the grandpas with their grandchildren running around and playing outside too. You'd see that. Um, mm-hmm. So, so I think they're still getting outside, just, kind of just staring at their watches, waiting for the time eight o'clock to come so they can go play video games. Right. Let me just run in circles for three hours. And then finally, I could play a video game for thirty minutes. Exactly. Um, yeah. No. Um, I, I I understand that that people do go outside in China. I'm not doubting that. I'm not. I'm. Thank you for clarifying that people do <laughs> actually go outside in China. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I wonder if this stuff. I mean, works. I don't know what working even would look like for right. something like this. It'll be interesting to see. While we're on the topic of China, though, Jared. I do want to. I wanted to talk uh, to you about this. That's why I kind of got excited because when you mentioned China, I thought you were going to talk about this, uh, what I have in mind here. But uh, totally cool that we also talked about video games. Thank uh, so, you. So here is the headline for you, Jared. Very nice. China is banning written exams for young pupils. Pupils for young students. The ban isn't welcome news for some parents in the exam obsessed country. And this article is from Vice. But basically what happened, Jared, is on Monday, the uh, uh, Ministry of Education in China has uh, banned first and second grades for having to do written exams. And then older students should be given only one written exam at the end of every semester. Uh, And now this is what's interesting, though, Jared, and this is a broader policy that the Ministry of Education is is, is enacting, which I think is really interesting. So the policy is being imposed as a part of a broader state initiative to reduce students' academic load. And the ministry said in an online statement in July, the government announced a ban on for-profit after-school tutoring, which we might have mentioned on the pod before. Uh, Basically, a lot of, in China, that was a huge, 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 very lucrative uh, big business was for-profit after-school education. So training centers, language centers. It seems like English and math were the two really, really popular kind of focal uh, courses or subjects after school. But now what I do like about this, though, Jared, is uh, the government has said that the goal is to take some pressure off of the students, cut their parents' education spending, and ensure children's healthy growth. And I think that's really important. And I think other countries, uh, ours included, the U.S. included, should be taking note of this because I think I'm pretty sure we've done an episode on standardized testing before. And uh, 
I mean, it's just not, I think it's not great for young kids, uh, you know, and, and there's so many things about, you know, young students should be, they should be learning and, and doing things in the classroom, but I think a lot of these written tests and written exams, while they can be good later on for, you know, just kind of seeing where your student's progress is at, for really, really young students, I find it to be a bit overkill. So I think this is uh, something really good actually coming out of the Ministry of Education in China. Um, and I thought it was really surprising, Jared. Uh, and I can tell you right now, I have some some friends uh, who are former colleagues in China that I'm sure when this first came out, they were kind of like, what in the world is this? Um, so it's kind of interesting, though, because this has been a country that has been really focused on exams um, for quite some time now, I think since like the 80s, if I remember correctly. And it's uh, nice to see some change. What are your thoughts on it, Jared? Um. I don't want to take tests, so I'm I'm cool with it. What's the age where you're allowed to start testing the shit out of these kids? I think after I think after middle school. So what's what what age is that? So that would be middle school. I, I think over there it's about. Well, I think it's pretty comparable to middle school in the states. So that would be what like uh, 11, 12, 13? Okay, somewhere around there, I think. Which still is pretty young. I mean, they're still young children at that at that you age. Give, do we get standardized tests before that here in the U.S.? I think so. I'm pretty sure. Didn't we like do Like elementary the, school kids? I'm pretty sure I did the MEEPS, which is like the Michigan Education Education Assessment Program, if I remember correctly. Hmm. And that was, uh, I think, in like first or second grade, maybe. Damn. You could test a, a first grader? Does I, that even mean anything? I thought so. Um, okay. <laughs> Who looks at that and was like, now I know exactly the the intelligence of this Well, you know what's sad about grader. that too, Jared, is that the, I know the MEEPs had some had some affiliation with schools funding. Like if students did oh, yeah, poorly and if, and if, like I remember teachers telling us, like, make sure you come to school this day. Uh, yeah, I don't like like a kid gives a shit about funding, right? <laughs> I'm six. What do you mean? What's funding? I don't. I don't know what that means. Right. I'm so, not concerned with the funding of my the Dexter school, uh, school whatever. Dexter school, school system. system, right? Yeah. So, so here is one one comment though that uh, that was on uh, Weibo, which is a popular social media. Uh, platform in China. Uh, some someone commented, "Primary school is for laying the foundation. If children cannot learn and get used to written tests at this time and are not able to catch up later, whose responsibility is that?" Uh, and and I think the thing is here, Jared, is we're seeing backlash because it's it's changing the societal cultural norm. And traditionally in China, it was just very common for doing lots of exams. But I think hopefully what they may see in a few years is I really don't believe, you know, for someone who works in education and has taught for, I don't know, six, seven years at this point, um, I don't think this is going to have a bunch of negative effects. Now, I, I haven't looked at the research, but I would assume that a lot of kids in first and second grade, I really don't think them doing a bunch of written exams is going to, um, you know, stint their education in any way. Yeah, no, I can't imagine that it really proves anything anyway about about a, a, ch a child's potential or intellect at six years old or five years old or whatever. I don't know what information you could glean from that. Right. So, Jared, before we get into our untranslatables, I wanted to uh, talk about something that's kind of a hot topic right now in the U.S. And this is actually, I, I found out about this when I was talking to my uh, my new camping buddies uh, at the campsite at Lake Pontiac. So, shout out to uh, Scott and Ron, because they were the ones who were telling me about this. So, 
Um, if, if you haven't been living under a rock, you've probably heard about what's going on in Texas right now with their new ridiculous abortion law, which basically, uh, if you are after six weeks, you cannot get an abortion from what, from what I've oh, heard. Excuse me. Hold on. I didn't realize you were going to give a shout out to Texas. Let's start it off Spread with the, uh, oh, oops, the proper introduction. I don't realize we were giving well, shout out. Well, first off, this, this isn't a shout out to Texas. This is a shout out to, I guess, Uber and Lyft. Uh, this mm. would be a. This I would be this a, was a shout out to Texas. De- I definitely not. Misunderstood where you were going with this. Uh, definitely not a shout out to Texas. So, so the Texas abortion law has taken effect. I believe on September first is when it uh, has. You know, when it, I don't know what's the right way to say this is when it took effect. I guess. Uh, basically, you can sue somebody, Jared, for uh, for aiding or attempting to aid someone to get an abortion after six weeks. Now, most most people out there. Um, you know, well, I shouldn't say most people, most women out there don't even know they're pregnant at six weeks. Like it's, it's usually very, very rare. Um, you know, six weeks is pretty early. And so what Uber and Lyft has said though, Jared, is technically if an Uber or a Lyft driver drove someone to an abortion clinic on week seven, uh, that Uber driver or Lyft driver could be legally sued for aiding or attempting to aid someone to get an abortion. And what Uber and Lyft has done is they have put out, both companies have put out statements saying they are going to pay the legal fees of drivers sued under this new law. First of all, shame on Texas for having this law. Um, I always find it interesting, Jared, that a state like Texas, where they, where at least the stereotype I have in my mind, and granted, I've never been to Texas, but you know, when we, when we talk about Texas, a lot of people think of like, quote unquote, freedom. Right. And, and, you know, the big thing, Texas is a very red state, very Republican or conservative, however you want to word it. And generally speaking, the conservatives or Republicans, they they're all about small government. But then they, they're never about small, uh, uh, small government when it comes to things like abortion. Right. And so I think this is one. It's a crazy law. Uh, it's a very harsh law. I think it's just going to put a lot of women in danger um, because just like everything we know, Jared, uh, just because you make something illegal doesn't mean people are going to stop doing it, right? And so what this means is people are just going to be doing it, um, you know, um, illegally. And uh, this is going to put women in danger and also these Uber and Lyft drivers in danger if they are helping these people out. But I think it's it's really great that both of these companies have taken a stand, spoken out against this. Um, and here's a little quote from uh, from this article I have in front of me from uh, the uh, Business Insider. Imagine being a pregnant woman and trying to get to a healthcare appointment and not knowing if your driver will cancel on you for fear of breaking a law. Both are completely unacceptable, uh, the rideshare company Lyft had said. Uh, which, which, yeah, I mean, there's there's no reason why you, in terms of Lyft or Uber, why they need to know why or where you're going, really. You know what I mean? Um, they're mm-hmm. just their job is to pick you up and get you there safely, and that's it. So uh, I think this is a great, great thing to see from both companies. So I do want to give a shout out to Uber and to Lyft um, for you know helping these women out in Texas. And I'm gonna give a little wag of the finger. Folks can't see it because we don't have video, but I'm wagging my finger here at all the uh, lawmakers in Texas for making this egregious and ridiculous law. Um, like I said, it's gonna put a lot of women in danger. Um, I just think it's terrible. So anyway, shout out to Uber and Lyft. Just wanted to say that. And uh, yeah, so that's it. Okay. Let's get into some untranslatables. Let's do it. And untranslatables are idioms, proverbs, sayings, axioms that don't always translate on a one-to-one basis into English. And uh, you want to get us started today, Jared? 
Sure, Chad. Um, both. Uh, my first one is Finnish, and it's uh, pa- uh, speaking of Finnish. Shout out to Kimi Raikkonen. He's retiring at the end of the season. Shout out to Botas. Got finally got. That's Lewis's second, by the way, on in Formula One. Finally, officially today, he got uh, he got the axe from Mercedes. So at the end of the season, not he's still you know the season's about halfway through right now. At the end of the season, he'll be going to a different team that's oh, not as good as Mercedes. Uh, Perasaukinen, uh, ass wide open. My ass is wide open. Oh geez, I don't Chat. even. I don't even know where to be. My my initial. Chad, I come to you and I tell you my ass is wide open. My, we're, my, we're staying in. My ass is wide open. Oh, it means you've got nothing to do. <laughs> my ass is. I don't no, know why. I don't know why that that I don't know why that came to mind. The thing I don't know why Jared, but the other initial thing that came to mind was I'm all ears, like I'm listening. Uh, mm-hmm. But obviously, I don't think that's what it actually means. I have nothing to do. Be- <clears throat> no, it's not. I have nothing to do because my ass is wide open. You know, there's this there's this chick that I'm into, but you know, I, I can't take her out because my ass is wide open. Um, I have I have no idea. Does it, your ass is you know, wide? Oh wow! Look at that brand shiny new. Um, uh Porsche Porsche 911 GT3 wow in Miami blue I w- I'm going to get that oh but forgot I forgot my ass is wide Oh open. you're broke Yes there you oh, go Oh I like that okay Inter- I wonder where that one came from did they used to did they used to stash their money in their in their ass <laughs> Yeah it's, it's prison lingo that's what it is Oh that's great that's funny My first one for you today Jared is nah, Dutch his ass is wide open he's got nothing That's right Ah shit I'm going to start right, go to ahead. use that if I'm like at a store be like uh, oh do you accept credit card cuz uh, cuz my ass is wide open I don't have any cash right now um, <laughs> So I'm just going to put this on credit and not pay this bill for about 3 years Exactly and hope for the best Exactly <laughs> Uh, so my first one for you today, Jared, is Dutch, and it is Mach je borsten maar nat. You should be able to get the first word, Mach. I, I can, but that doesn't really uh, help much. Borsten uh, is like brusten. Okay. Uh, and you can uh, just you can just you can just translate uh, it for me. I'm to not a Dutch make your expert. chest wet, Jared. Ooh, Chad. To make your <laughs> I chest like that wet. One. And this is not a dirty one. You're making one. my chest wet. Oh, I'm not being dirty. I'm just saying. <laughs> You're making my chest wet. Ooh, my chest is a little wet. What's that about? Let me uh, mm. let me see if I can give you a clue here, Jared. I'm suspicious of you. Well, let me say this, Jared. Uh, I don't I, trust you. I don't think... Uh, no, not quite. I don't you think... You my chest hot. Sorry, uh, <laughs> go ahead. I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> I'm working through uh, let, it. Let me try to help you out here, Jared. My chest um, is wet. So I'm curious. I'm so interested. for example, Jared, you've got my chest wet. All right, my chest is wet. Tell me. So the so the students uh, the <laughs> okay, students not, in China. I would say the students in China won't have to make their chest wet until probably middle school or when they get older. That's disgusting, Chad. <laughs> I'm not even going to dignify that with a response. <clears throat> or another way to say this would be. Uh, you know, maybe, Jared, you decide, uh, you know, we're talking about um, jobs for nomads today. Maybe you decide, you know what? Um, I'm done with this house. I need to hit the road. Um, Get my chest wet. And and you're like, well, before I leave, though, I need to uh, make my chest wet. Get some money? Uh, nope. 
say farewell to my hoes. Well, well, I mean, I would hope you would do that, Jared. Get my chest wet real quick before I ditch town. Uh, I'm, this then is, this the is a tough song, one. Let me, uh, sorry, go ahead. Let, let me just, just give this one to you. This one's a tricky one. Uh, it means to prepare yourself for a big task. I feel like I must have said something like that somewhere. <laughs> I mean, saying goodbye to all your hoes is kind of a big task, Jared. That's true. That's a good point. That's a very good point. So I'm going to say I got that right. I got to prepare for a big task. Uh, exactly. Shaniqua, Veronica. I can't remember all the names. Uh, no, I can remember two of them. Um, all right. I'll give you one more. Uh, and it's Finnish as well. Uh, pour some out for Veltity. I mean, he's still in the game. I don't know why I'm pouring some out for him. Jutsen Kutsu. Pissed while running. Pissed while running. And this is, I would, I guess I'll lead you in a direction. Imagine the American use of pissed rather than, say, the British or Australian use of so pissed. So angry. No. Isn't no. pissed angry? If you're Well, that's pissed off, I guess. What else could pissed mean? I mean, to, to go to the bathroom. Okay. So you're going to the bathroom while you're running. Is it like to multitask or to be incredibly busy? To multitask. Like you're so busy you got to pee while you're running? <laughs> That's a good guess, but no, that's not it. Okay. But maybe maybe if you got a lot of shit going on and you're busy, um, because of that, mm -hmm. you might find yourself pissing while running. Is it like to be overwhelmed? When you're overwhelmed, you might you might have pissed while running on certain tasks. Oh, to to like make a mistake. Something yeah 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 something that's poorly executed because you're in a rush. Okay. Oh yeah, I like that one. Yeah, that's that's a good one. Okay. So I, but which one would be poor? I guess I don't even know how to piss and run. I I don't even. Uh, that seems like a skill. Like a you could get through that like a circus of some sort. <laughs> that's a hard thing to do. Piss yeah. and run. Oh for sure. Well, and how do you not it's pee impressive. on yourself? Yeah. Well, I guess actually yeah. now I think about it, uh, like marathon runners, they'll like shit while they while they. Don't, yeah. Don't they wear like uh, diapers or something? I don't think so. That seems like there would be a big chafing issue. Oh, that's You've never true. seen videos of like... Of course I have. Brown? Okay. Of course I have. <laughs> I don't think those are those people are wearing diapers. No, clearly not. <laughs> no. Wouldn't be running down their leg otherwise, Jared. That's for sure. Well, my last one for you today, Jared, is Just Tagalog. imagine if Nike... Sorry. Just imagine if Nike made like... Uh, <laughs> Some diapers? For long distance just runners. They're like a mix of compression short slash diaper. <laughs> Surprise, it's not this a thing for the yet. long distance runners. Right. Oh. Oh my god oh man if well nike if you're listening there's a there's <laughs> sponsored a, yeah there's a good idea for you that's hilarious uh my last one for you today jared is tagalog and it is binyagan Which is spoken in the philippines correct yes sir okay uh binyagan nayan baptize it already is that like finish it finish it off I'll I'll give it to you, Jared. Hit that ham horn. I'll give it to you. Like it means it, it means like just get it over with already. Mm. Okay. Like just baptize yeah, it already. Like come on, like just do it. You know, like if you were standing waiting to jump in the cold water, someone might be like, you know, just baptize it already. Like just jump in already. Yeah. You know. I was thinking of it in like a drinking means where someone's, mm. you know, there's always that person if you're like pre gaming or something, person's like, hold on, hold on. 
you know, like taking right. like multiple sips. Like, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm coming. I'm coming. Hold on. Especially when the Uber <laughs> pulls up. There's all those memes, yes. you know, when the Uber pulls up and you got like a huge wine glass, like trying Just to chug it Just baptize it already. <laughs> We're trying to get out of here. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, Jared, let's talk about uh, um, work, some jobs as a nomad. And the other thing I want to talk about today is not only some job ideas, but also kind of what you should be looking for and also some places, because we are a travel podcast, not only a language podcast, but a travel podcast and some good countries where you could go as a nomad. Uh, And the reason why I say nomad and not digital nomad is because, uh, I mean, digital nomad is a thing on itself, but there are are certain jobs that you can do as a nomad that aren't digital as well. Um, So I just want to be upfront with that. First of all, for those of you who uh, maybe if English isn't your first language, a nomad is generally someone who, uh, well, traditionally it was someone who I believe traveled with like, you know, herds of animals and stuff, um, you know, and did like hunting and foraging. Nowadays, a nomad is just someone who, you know, usually doesn't live in just one set place. They tend to move around a lot. Um, And I don't know, man. I mean, after after doing some research for this episode, Jared, um, if I don't get a contract renewal, maybe your boy is going to go full nomad and uh, do some do some work on the road or something. Um, so first, Jared, I guess let's talk about what what should people be looking for in terms of um, a job for for being a nomad. Are you asking me? Uh, yeah. What are some of your thoughts? Oh, what what? Hold on, hold on. What what do you what do you um like? I feel like I feel like to be like a like a, a, a nomad worker. You have to. If, to me, it feels like you need a lot of money. That's just what okay. I picture. Like it seems like something that sounds cool on social media, but in reality, it's like, yeah. But you, you know, you have like a direct deposit from your parents every month of ten thousand dollars that you just casually leave out when you mention the charms of living right in rural France or a nice little yeah. trust fund. Exactly. <laughs> well, I, yeah, your grandma whose royalty just passed away. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> you didn't mention that part. Your great great uncle Cletus that you never met somehow had you know. There's no way an uncle Cletus is the person that's going to be leaving you uh, millions. I don't. I won't. I will never. You believe won't buy that. that. Fair enough. <laughs> I, I will. I will say this though, Jared. I do think being a, a nomad, you do need to for sure. Well, maybe not. I think generally, at least in Western society, yes, you do need some type of at least baseline saving saved up. However, it was really interesting. I met some people when I was in Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, that their families were nomads. And I can tell you straight up that none of them were uh, were super wealthy. Um, and they lived off the land. You yeah, know. but that's a little different. Right. That's a little different. Right. That's more of like a culture. Uh, that's it seems different to me. That's more like like their families. I imagine I've been doing living like that for a long time. Correct. It's ingrained into into how their families have lived. Right. This is not just like someone that's like, listen, I don't like corporate life. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of cubicles. You know. <laughs> right. No, I, I agree with you one hundred percent. I want to work off of my laptop and just go somewhere. Um. But yeah, yeah, I can understand that part. Um. You you think you think uh is you, now you said that do you actually think being a digital nomad is a lifestyle you could and would be interested in living digital not digital sorry sorry well for me it probably would I'd, be a di- for me it would be a digital nomad um which is specifically just meaning you have you work remotely. some sort of online mm-hmm. job correct okay. generally and speaking then, uh, though from doing some so research say, you know please generally speaking Jared so from sorry. doing some research. A lot of the digital nomads that I've been like kind of looking into, 
they a lot of them have two to three like usually like freelance type of jobs right so um so that's also worth mentioning do you follow any sort of nomads or digital nomads on your social media accounts? Not, not yet. But uh, this has piqued my curiosity, and I'm I'm gonna have to okay. go out and find some for sure. What would be the area of the of the globe that you would sort of point your compass towards as a nomad or digital nomad? So, the, so Chad. that's a great question, Chad. Jared. The nomad, nomad Ooh. Chad. Oh, that Start sounds good. Start your YouTube good. channel right now. Someone's about to take that. Oh, that's that's true. Better better Google buy that, that domain button. name and everything, Jared. You don't you don't have it in you to have a power you do have it in you but you won't do it have a powerful YouTube channel because I make a podcast with you I know but um, Nomad <laughs> Chad is a great name it is is there oh, someone has the someone has the Instagram account Nomad period Chad okay but you could easily just do Nomad Chad without the period okay interesting oh no that exists too yeah that doesn't oh that's me. a Twitter account okay but he has fifty six followers okay. Uh, well, so so Jared, the the tricky thing about nomad wor- nomadic work is that <laughs> is <laughs> is that I love how you just pay no attention to what I say and just go back to like, all right, well, anyway, back to uh, well, well, what do you want me to say? No, I mean, no, 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 sorry, it's a no, Twitter no, no, person please. with fifty six followers. I don't know what else. I think it's a good idea. That's all I'm saying. But go ahead, I, go, I, ahead go ahead. I agree with you. Um, so the the tricky thing about uh, nomad work, though, Jared, is yeah, depending on the company you work for, and I experienced this when I was looking at online English teaching jobs, which is like there's I'm not going to read through tons and tons of lists today, Jared. I promise you, and I promise our listeners. But when doing research for this episode, that was like one of the reoccurring jobs, at least if you're like a native speaker of English, is online English teaching. But here's the catch with that: with a lot of those companies. You actually have to be based in the U.S. or sometimes based in like China or Japan or wherever the company's out of. So that so you have to be based somewhere. Yes. Is, is regardless yes. of what you found. So, yes. Even if it's not the U.S. Right. So so that's one thing that that I want all of our listeners out there who are considering doing a nomadic type of you know job or want to try that out. Make sure you do your homework and and you know that you know if you have to be in the U.S. Then okay, well now you know the U.S. Yeah. is going to where you're have to going to have to be. Uh, you know, doing your nomadic work. I will say this though, Jared. If it's if it's me personally, I am not going to pick a job where it's going to limit me to stay in the U.S. As much as I love the U.S., uh, I think there are some better countries to live and work as a digital digital nomad or nomad in general. Um, because number one, uh, if we're keeping it if we're keeping it a buck, most places in the U.S. the cost of living is a lot higher than a lot of other countries. So cost mm-hmm. of living is one factor to consider. Like, as you mentioned with the, the trust fund people or, you know, having, uh, you know, big amount of savings, most people don't have that. So so, so generally speaking, mm-hmm. can I just ask real quick? Of course. As a um, nomad, digital nomad, whatever you want to call it, wh- 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 what do you picture personally? What do you picture personally as as the amount of time you would say you would stay in a location before you sort of move on? I think for me, it'd probably be be at the minimum three days, maximum probably a week, unless it's a place I really, really like. Well, it depends, I guess. It depends. If I... I thought this was like months at a time. Well, so that's the thing. It could also be months at a time if you're in... So, well, I was thinking... I don't know if I want to move around that much. That sounds awful. Well, like I... Every three days or week you're trying to find a new hostel or a new hotel room well f- first of all you forgot you're i have a the camper meeting. van 
and there's a naked person behind you. Yeah, but you just talked about how America is not even a good place to do this. Right. And I was thinking about if I was doing it in America with my camper. I should have clarified. If I was doing it in the States with my camper van, then it would be shorter stays. But but no, if I was living abroad, like in like in Thailand. So is that what you were talking about earlier? I, sorry, I didn't even actually... I, when I hear when I heard it initially, I just assumed you meant going abroad. So initially, when you when you were talking about considering it, you were talking about van, more of a van life lifestyle. For now, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. I totally misunderstood. I thought I just immediately thought you meant like going abroad. Well, I didn't even so think so. That's about the, the thing is, I think most of us, when we think of those digital nomad type of jobs, we do think going abroad because, mm-hmm. if we're being honest, most people don't have a transit connect camper van that they could, you know, live out of for a little while. Um, so that and makes a like difference. A lot, I feel like a lot of people that are into this lifestyle. I don't want to say that. No, I'm not even gonna say that. I don't. I because I don't. I don't feel like I agree with that. Um, I feel like the best way to make this sort of nomad lifestyle work for a Westerner like us is, which is why I could never do it, even though I fantasize about it. Maybe is that you need to have like an actual talent, whether that's like a writer, photographer. You know, a Nomad Chad YouTube channel, maybe. Right. You know, those travel vloggers are huge Mm -hmm. on the internet. Nomad Chad. So I feel like that is why I could never really realistically see myself being living that lifestyle. Also, I I don't want to move around that much, to be honest with you. Wait, oh, you never... Okay, so, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Um... You said if you were in in the van, mm-hmm. you would you would go be a three day to one week life, which still sounds awful, honestly. Living out of a van for just an undetermined amount of time, it sounds terrible. But if you're in, if you were abroad, which is what most of us think, mm-hmm. has I assume that's crossed your mind. Living a oh, abroad, of course, of course. What would be what would be the time frame that you'd be ha- consider there then? So we got the the U.S. time frame. Mm-hmm. So abroad, it would be it. Well, it would probably be. I would set up a home base somewhere and probably you know rent rent an apartment. Like an apartment. Uh huh. Yeah, uh, okay. I'd set up a home okay. base somewhere. But then depending on you know my schedule for work. It's getting pricey already. It's already getting pricey. Not necessarily. <laughs> I mean, I think you, I'm pretty sure you could probably rent like in Bali, for example, Jared. In Bali, you could rent an apartment for a month for easily under four hundred bucks a month. Um, you know, and for for online work, if you're making. Especially if you're working for a company, especially in the U.S., where they don't require you to stay in the U.S., if you're living that U.S. salary life, I would yeah. say honestly, Jared, on thirty to forty grand a year, uh, which there are plenty of online jobs that you know offer that type of salary, you could live you very could manage, comfortably in Bali. You can manage a four hundred dollar rent and still go places. Oh yeah, I, I would think so. And the the other thing too about the you know, working uh, as a as a as a nomad, or in this case, it would be more of a digital nomad. You can also pick up other stuff if your if your income isn't sufficient enough, right? So yeah. it's not ideal, but we do live in a gig economy, anyways, Jared. So I guess you might as well embrace it and go full force. Um, as, as someone that is, you seem like you're interested in this nomad life. Have, have have you done it? So you said no YouTube channel. So you have, you haven't really done any sort of like personal research into this. A little bit I have because as as well I don't know if we've mentioned it officially on the pod, but um, pretty soon uh, my Official. first book that I'm co-authoring with a very good we friend of mine it. will be dropping. Mm-hmm. So if we have some success with that, you know we're hoping to write some more books. So uh, you know that well, would be one potential the talent aspect that I was just talking about. Right, you got See? it. Yeah, you're free. Well, the other thing is too is as you know, as someone who has a degree in teaching English, I can do that almost anywhere abroad for the most part, uh, which is also a big plus. 
uh, even even tutoring. The tricky thing with that, though, Jared, is just making sure you're doing everything by the book and you're not breaking any laws abroad because you don't want to get, you know, if you get deported, that's going to kind of ruin your your nomad lifestyle for quite some time. What sort of laws do you think you might accidentally find yourself breaking? Well, so if you're not on, for example, if you're living somewhere and you're not on the right type of visa, you technically... Like I, I, because I looked into. Oh, I thought you meant like public intoxication. No, like public I'm, no, I'm talking more about like, like making money. <laughs> you know, also like taxes abroad can be. I a can't tricky walk situation. on the street naked here. What kind of country is this? I thought right. I. Uh, 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 this is news to me. I feel like I should not be arrested because I'm just learning about this. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so I, I do want to talk about though, Jared, in terms of. So we've talked about places abroad a little bit. I've mentioned Bali is a good place. Uh, I do want to mention, though, kind of some criteria that would... And actually, I'd like to brainstorm with you, Jared. What do you think could be some good criteria for selecting a place if you wanted to live out that nomad lifestyle for a while, even if it was for half a year to a year? Can you ask me the question again? I, I was distracted because I, I had something that I wanted to ask you before, and, we, and you... We, uh, go ahead. Sorry, I so wasn't listening. What, I was distracted. What, uh, what aspects or, or what things should a country have... Um, that would make it a good place to relocate as a as a you know a digital nomad or a nomad worker. Good food, for sure. Good party scene. Okay. Good club scene. Good bar scene. A popular mm-hmm. alcohol. Um, hot people, male, female, hot people. Gender nonconforming, non-binary, hot people, of all sorts. Okay. How about some more practical things, Jared? There we go. That's what I was looking for. Good Wi-Fi well, you connection. You don't think for any sure. of those things I said were good things? I think they're good things, but I think in terms of if we're just focusing on the work aspect, which is what I'm focusing okay. on. I thought you were asking me what I wanted. Okay, a, you made it seem like you're asking me what I wanted. That's what I want. Okay, and I would say all those things, including the good internet. Well, yeah. If you're saying I goodbye go to all your hoes, Jared, you need that. If I'm, do- yeah, I can still keep in touch with them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> WhatsApp. Uh, what's that made it to, <laughs> I'll Venmo you some money. No. Um, uh, if I'm going to be some sort of nomad or digital nomad, I'm not going to go to, I'm not going to go someplace boring Chad. For sure. So that's really important. Uh, so what I'm telling you is, uh, these are practical things I'm saying, because that's I'm true. not going to go right. some place and then just end up in the same suburb that I'm at now with right. a freaking mortgage. You know, then I was like, well, why did I leave Ferndale? I'm in the suburbs of, Bali, and I have the same <laughs> boring life. Right. No, you you are right though. Actually, about like even even the party scene and the people. You're 100 percent right. Uh, I was thinking of it too much in like a work kind of mindset, but you're right because when you're not working, you need to be able to enjoy yourself. So well, those things well, are super important. What, what do you look for then, Chad? Obviously, um, strong Wi-Fi, as we mentioned. I think like a good climate where you're comfortable at because like that's good for me personally if it's super hot and humid like I don't know if I could live there for a super long time you know and me personally I have no problem leaving um, cold Michigan winters in my rear view mirror right Uh, I'm just here because I have a good okay please no please uh, sorry. Uh, another one is uh, just having a good community, whether that be a lot of expats there or just like the locals are friendly and you can you know make friends there. Because let's be honest, Jared, if you live your life as a as a nomad and you don't have any friends, I mean that's going to be kind of a sad and lonely time. So you're saying there are places where it's better slash easier to make friends. The friends you make are better in certain countries than others. 
you make better friends in some countries than others. I don't know if me. I would say that, but I think just the way culture is in different countries, it might be easier to develop friendships with people, or or at least it happens a little faster. Like for example, when I was in Bali, um, the people are really really friendly. I could see it being very easy to have you know a tight knit like circle of friends after a couple months of living there. Whereas you know, um, I'll be honest with you, as much as I love the Czech Republic, if you don't speak Czech well enough. Uh, unless you're living in Prague, it's going to be mm. very difficult to get like a good group of friends there uh, just because of the language barrier. I feel like I remember you telling me a lot that a lot of Czech people would just immediately, that you interacted with, I should say, mm-hmm. just immediately jump to saying like, oh, I don't really speak English. But then once you sort of forced it out of them a little bit, you realize that their English was perfectly fine to have yep. a conversation. Yep. Yeah. So I could imagine, I could imagine that makes sense then, you know, mm-hmm. I could see that. Anything else you have? Yes. Uh, another another big one, as I've already said, but I think it's worth saying again, is cheap cost of living. For me, that's really important because yeah. I'm not rich. I don't have a trust fund. I don't have a you know million dollar inheritance. So for me, you know, keep the cost of, of living as low as possible so I can really get that max enjoyment out of the place where I am. Do you think for the average nomad has to accept that they're going to be living on a limited budget just in general if we talk like statistically speaking? There's uh, there's a lot more of these nomads that are like living a very paycheck paycheck to li- lifestyle rather than like my YouTube channel has millions of followers and I just really travel around a jet and just rent the same looking sprinter in every location. So you bring up a great point, Jared. I think if you have if you have a um, like a specialized enough skill or if you have a big enough you know following for whatever you're doing via blog, YouTube you know, whatever. Um, I think I would, I would probably argue your average nomad living abroad, especially, I don't know how much it is paycheck to paycheck, but I don't think, I think they can live comfortably, but they're not crazy rich. Okay. No, you're convincing me. You know what I, what I was going to mention earlier was um, about that one of one of my concerns as uh someone that lives in this western society this corporate world is like a long-term savings you know mm-hmm. oh it's like well what happens when you turn whatever age it is and you're 65 like, All right, i need to is that the age for you well for for what i was thinking uh, of retirement oh <laughs> 65 i hope i retire before 65 i, mean, I would like to too <laughs> okay so not 65 well, that that just seems to be in a lot of countries the baseline reti- quote unquote sure, retirement. Sure, yeah, that's age. like that's like the number that everyone. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. That right. makes sense. That's why it came. Yeah, um, at whatever age people decide to retire, um, how is that going to work as someone that has lived their life like that? You know, can you realistically live your life like that and save sufficiently to not have to work until you're eighty five? But let me let me counter you here, Jared. If you live in a place where the cost of living is really low and you like it there and you stay there. You also don't need as much money to retire, so it's kind of a toss-up. You know, if you, yeah, if you want to move back to the states, for example, it's going to be way trickier. I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, you throw in a big factor of how easier or harder it would be to just become a citizen in another country. Well, I think depending on the country, you know, if you live there long enough, um, I think you can get, you know, you can get citizenship. And in a lot of countries, if you live there, depending on the country, it can be anywhere from five to fifteen years. You can be eligible for citizenship, and I do know a lot of countries. If you if you end up meeting somebody over there and you marry a citizen of the country, that can kind of expedite the process as well. 
That makes sense. That's just not the lifestyle I'm trying to live, Chad. I'm trying to live more of that digital nomad Monaco lifestyle where I kind of just buy my citizenship as well as a sweet penthouse. There you go. That I can retire in. So I think I think we have different goals, but that's what makes this podcast so beautiful. That's true. That is true. Um, yeah, I, you know, but for me, as I mentioned, Jared, I mean, the, the, the cheap living is, is a big one. And that's also why I've considered, like I said, if my contract's not extended, I may try out the van life for a little while. Um, and you know, cause I've already been applying to some just like remote, you know, jobs where it doesn't matter where you are as long as you're in the U S. Um, so, so yeah, but, but before we get, um, further into, that I do want to talk about some some countries at least where it would be, you know, you mentioned Monaco, which is probably not the, the best example unless you're rolling in the dough. I've mentioned obviously Bali, Indonesia is is a really, really big hot spot. This is kind of an oldie but goldie one, Jared, where uh, you know, I actually met three or four people while while I was in Bali. I met a guy from Egypt, uh, I met a, a girl from Australia, and I met another girl from Russia, and they were all living there for about half a year at the time. And, uh, and they were just, uh, you know, kind of doing the digital nomad lifestyle. Um, they all knew each other or these were different? These were uh, different unrelated. people. These were, okay. these, yeah, I met them in a couple different places while I was in Bali. But, I mean, Bali is a great place because, I mean, if you're into nature, if you like jungles, they have like a, like, you know, the kind of a more like green kind of jungle area. If you, if you would rather chill on the beach, you know, uh, there's a lot of really beautiful beaches in Bali as well. Um, a, a really, really great, um, well, I don't know how it is now with, you know, everything with COVID, but when I was there kind of before all this, all the, all the shit hit the fan, uh, there were just a, a great expat community. Well, maybe I shouldn't say that cause it's really, it's a huge party scene. So you'd be happy there, Jared, a nice mm-hmm. big party scene. Um, so yeah, so Bali is one, another country that can be really, really good for digital nomads as well, especially if you want to do like a backpacking vlog, for example, Jared, I'm going to try to pepper in some examples here and see if I can convince Jared to maybe do the nomad lifestyle with me by the end of today's episode. Uh, Mm. In Thailand, Jared is another great country where, uh, you know, once again, from what I've read, the nature is really beautiful. Do you know what the nickname of Thailand is, Jared? Party city. The land of smiles. So once again, we talked about, you know, friendly people making friends from yeah, what I've read, that would for me then. <laughs> Jared won't be happy there. Why, why are you smiling no, at me? <laughs> I won't be happy because people, yeah, people will be like, "What's wrong with this guy? This guy's not fun. He's not. He doesn't like us." I don't know, like, Jared. No, I, I think if I'm you sick of smiling at everyone. Well, well, I think if you got over there though, Jared, if you if you started to maybe feel the vibe, who knows? Maybe it changed you. No, you don't think so? Okay. Well, uh, Thailand is a good one. The food's great. Uh, crazy parties, cheap prices. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of the big allure with Thailand Crazy as well. parties, cheap prices. Is that in the commercials? That's uh, that's Crazy what, parties, cheap prices. That's what this... Uh, that's Thailand. The, the website I'm reading this from, I guess we should give them credit. Pure is, Thailand. What? Sorry, I said pure Thailand. I was thinking of... Pure Michigan? Maybe that would be... Uh, yeah, I was thinking of what that was their version. Right. Um, Smiley Thailand, I think, would maybe be, be their version. That's a good one. That's a good one. That is. I should I should hit up there. That's uh, your talent as a marketing extraordinaire for <laughs> there we go. T- tourism marketing extraordinaire, and you're a consultant. That could you're be like, a good blog, dude. Smi- Nomad Chat and Smiley Thailand, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got to, yeah, every thumbnail is going to have a, your big old smiley face. I do. I'm I sorry. do like to smile. I cannot imagine you running a successful YouTube channel. I've done this podcast for way too long with you to imagine. If I were to see you 
all of a sudden be like, I'm going to become a digital nomad. I'm going to start a YouTube channel and I'm just going to use that to live off of. I'd be like, oh, I mean, okay, good luck. And you started getting like, you know, millions of followers. I'd be like, oh, come on, really? So he really just didn't care about this podcast. Just, it, he's like, oh, and now he found his real true project. It would hurt my feelings is what I was saying. Mm. So fair. even though I, I'm rooting for Nomad Chat and I want you, I want it to work and I want you to succeed. If I see you have a super successful YouTube channel, I'll be like, oh, okay. You do realize, though, no It'll be good to know that I was the problem. <laughs> <laughs> you, you do realize, though, if Nomad Chad were to be successful, obviously, I'm not going to stop the Untranslatable podcast. Oh, I see. You're going you're gonna to pick me up and, and take me under your That's, coattails. Why do you think I'm trying to convince you? Teach me how to use you. Instagram all of a sudden. Right. Be like, no, no, you need to swipe up. Swipe up <laughs> for the newest episode. It's like, Chad knows how to swipe up. Chad doesn't know how to take a picture. Right. No kidding. Uh, <laughs> Barely learned how to take a selfie like a couple of years ago. Yeah. But um, yeah, An another big one. And you'll kind of see a pattern here, Jared. Another big uh, country for digital nomads as well is Vietnam. So, you know, obviously the pattern is kind of southeastern, eastern Asian uh, Pacific region. But Vietnam, from what I've been reading, uh, I forget the oh, I forget the book now. It might have been the four hour work week, if I remember correctly. He like mentions like chilling on a beach in Vietnam and like it's a great place for, you know, people to work. But from what I've read, Vietnam seems to be also like a booming place for a lot of these kind of digital nomad types, you know, bloggers, vloggers, what have you. Um, I think the coolest thing, though, Jared, about all of this is, you know, just having the opportunity to travel and see new places and meet new people and, and just you know, try to live life to the fullest. You know, that's a really, really big thing about this kind of nomad lifestyle that kind of draws me to it. Yeah, I think another way maybe I can consider getting into this nomad life is if I learn how to become a, like a skilled investor of some sort. Right. Oh, there you go. And I just invest in all the right companies early. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then I can have, you know, I could be a digital nomad, have houses in various locations and just take a jet back and forth. Maybe a yacht if I'm feeling more of that sort of vibe. Another thing maybe, and I don't and know what the laws are, but like Airbnbs. What do you mean the laws? Like like some countries, I know at least uh, when we were in Austria last time, there were some weird things where I guess they couldn't really do like certain, only certain places could do Airbnbs. So, so you know, the laws can oh, change see. in different countries. Yeah, but, but imagine there are other that. ways to get accommodations, you know, other than Airbnb if that's the situation. Right. But yeah, no, I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see, I can't get behind this nomad life unless I'm making enough money where I'm not, I'd be, I'd be too stressed, too stressed. So I'm thinking either uh, I learn a talent, mm -hmm. which is not going to happen. I have no skills <laughs> to I offer. think you're selling yourself short here. <laughs> or I uh, learn how to invest money and then just pick the right companies if I really focus on it, you know, and, and figure it out. And then from there, maybe buy some houses that I rent out, you know, uh, through a company so I don't have to worry about it. Let's get that mailbox money from the rent every month. Right. And then I could really see myself making this digital nomad life work. You know, when I have to work, pull out my phone, read the news, buy some stuff, look at the graph, see which direction it's going. All right, I'm going to buy that, sell that. Oh, I got a check from my house in, in Ferndale. That's nice. And, um, oh. Looks like I just arrived in Bali, so let me crack a beer and scream with some Australians. Yeah, crack open a nice cold bintang and you're good to go. 
Yeah, crack a bintang and scream with some Australians. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> yeah, there, there you go. This here's here's another cool thing though too, Jared, about um, like countries and and being a digital nomad. There's actually a few countries now that are starting to this. This has become so much of a thing around the world, Jared, that some countries now have been uh, issuing visas. Because, see, that's, as I mentioned, visas can be a tricky thing because if you come to a place on a tourist visa, you have a restriction mm-hmm. of how long you can stay there and also what you can do in terms of, like, work capacity. Like, you know, some countries, if you're there on a tourist visa, I don't think you can actually, and, and granted, I'm not a lawyer and this is not official legal advice, but, you know, some countries, if you are working over there and you're not on the right visa, like I said, they can deport you. There can be all sorts of different stuff that can happen. Um, but right. some of so these countries... like e- even even if like it says like as a tourist you're allowed to be here for three months, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean you're allowed to actively be working and making Correct. money. Or and if, or at it, least granted, in they their probably local wouldn't find currency. out. To be fair, they probably wouldn't find out. Mm. But how would they find out? Uh, how would they know the money that's going into your direct deposit? That's true. I guess you're right. Well, I was thinking more so if but you. It, but that I do know those are rules. So if they right. did find out somehow, I could imagine it not being good. Well, I guess the way that I was thinking it might happen is a lot of times, especially if you're staying in a country for, you know, quite some time, six months to a year, it might behoove you to open up a bank account there. And that might be where you could get yeah. into some trouble. If you open up a local bank account, they start seeing a lot of money in the local currency coming in via direct deposit from businesses and stuff. Then, you know, then they could track that and everything like okay. that. But But you're right. Here's what you got to do. Open up two bank accounts. Open up one in the United States. Uh, don't just treat that as a normal bank account. Then open open one in local locations. That way, every time you tra- every time you travel and get a new job or have the same job, direct deposit always goes to your centralized American bank account. Some direct some miscellaneous PO box to it, and just go all green, all digital. Then from there, what you do is you dole out money from that centralized American account into various international accounts depending on what location you're in you just open new accounts um and uh and then you know transfer money as needed from from your centralized account that's how i would do it okay i don't know if it's i don't know if in practice it works that smoothly but i think it's a great idea um but anyways jared if you if you're kind of like me and you want to do things by the book jared oh uh, it works that smoothly does it? Okay. So here's what then I hear where you're see where you're coming from. Now what you gotta do is you're gonna have to change your name. <laughs> <laughs> Can't but be nomad chat illegally. anymore, Jared. Come on. Brad. Nomad Brad. <laughs> nomad uh, Vlad. If, if, if yes. that one gets taken. <laughs> I like where your head's at. Yes. See now what we're gonna do is you're gonna have to open an account in Russia, which is perfect. And then what we're going to have to do is centralize that account and sync it up with the American account. So we're going to have a 50-50 split. So you're going to put down two accounts. You know, when you do direct deposit, they give you lines so you can sort of split over a couple accounts if you want to. We're going to do half Russian, half American. And then what we're going to do is funnel money back and forth between the Russian and American to think that that's a normal relationship. And then on a monthly basis, we'll siphon off some of that, maybe like 25000 per month into just your local international account in whatever country you're in at that time. That's a good point. 25,000, you're living large. Really yeah. large. Well, listen, Chad, I told you, invest, skilled investor. That's true. 
That is true. I'm talking millions of YouTube followers. These are these are the sort of lifestyles I've been talking about this whole episode. That's $25,000 just walking around change. That's the private jet to get me to the new location. Right. Right. Well, see, for, for you and I, Jared, I think we have very different nomadic uh, uh, goals yeah, and I expectations. Our, I see our research went two different directions. Yes. Uh, very much so. I think maybe there is a um, miscommunication somewhere, but that's okay. That's okay. We are both digital nomads in our own way, and I think it's beautiful that we can talk about it from multiple different perspectives. I think that's what really helps the listener. Absolutely. But I do still want to mention these uh, places now that are giving visas to digital nomads, because I think this is awesome. I did mention one, Monaco. Really? We've talked about that. Yeah, you can buy citizenship for like... Okay, well... Okay, I'm talking about places that will, if you're a normal digital nomad, not an investor with millions in your portfolio, I'm talking the average person. Gibraltar was another place that was actually pretty reasonable, like 125 or something like that, 1,000. Well, once again, I think it depending on what country you're coming from, that may not be super attainable. All right, let's hear your list. Okay, my first one is is Georgia, actually. This is really cool. So Georgia has actually been the first country. Now listen here. (laughs) <laughs> not the state, the country, Jared. <laughs> not the state, but the country. They were the first country, actually, to offer a digital nomad visa, which is really cool. Uh, so it's been happening for a couple of years now, uh, and Georgia has made great efforts to attract digital nomads from offering free one-year visas. See, there you go, Jared. I like that. Mm. Free. I like that. Yeah. Free one-year visas uh, to launching initiatives that allow remote workers Here's also what's really interesting to allow remote workers, I don't know how you're going to feel about this, Jared, to allow remote workers to share office spaces with Georgian workers. I think that might be kind of cool. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that. I think there could be a cool system where it's like you're a digital nomad, you don't make money in our country or from our country's businesses, but you can live here with like a digital nomad tax. Mm -hmm. So you have to pay an additional however month much every tax cycle or whatever you know thousand dollars you can you know a thousand dollars a year i'm talking about so i'm trying to make it right. reasonable i'm not being ridiculous um uh, it's just not nothing but you know it should be you know you know some amount of money essentially where it's like all right you don't make money in here but we still get money from you for being here even though you don't make money from this country's company or whatever mm-hmm. a company in this country but we'll tax you i think that's a great idea honestly yeah, um, I'm sure there's some complications there, but um, right, I, I feel like that, that would something like that. So here's happen. another one, and I I want you to try to guess this one, Jared, and I'm gonna help you out. Don't worry. This country is one we've talked about where they have free and accessible Wi-Fi pretty much everywhere. Try oh, to I test your memory answer. here. Latvia, uh, Estonia. There you go. Yep. Okay, I knew there it was somewhere go. around there. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So in, in uh, Estonia, they have uh, a, a new. It's fairly new. Uh, Estonian e-visa uh, or e-residency, sorry, for some uh, to establish a company and you will pay taxes there. Um, and now with the introduction of the new Estonian digital nomad visa, moving there is easier than ever. Uh, the capital Tallinn, which uh, our, our buddy uh, or my good buddy, David, I think I'd call him your buddy as well since he's been on the podcast a couple of times. Uh, David uh, actually visited there and spoke very, very Where's highly of Tallinn. Um, or Tallinn, I'm not sure what the right uh, way to pronounce that is, but uh, there's great medieval architecture, bustling cu- cultural events, and great food, uh, and it's also very affordable. So, um, you know, and then you have accessible Wi-Fi all over the place, Jared, so, you know, you can be, you know, moving your millions and millions of dollars in your different investment properties and, and investment companies and funds. On the go, exactly. no matter where I'm at. 
Exactly. Another one point. which is really, really interesting as well, Jared, is Croatia. So the digital nomad community in Croatia is actually a little bit more scattered, but there are a lot of great options like Split, Pula, and Z- I think Zadar. Listen, I'm just going to be fair. Back to Estonia real quick. Yeah. <clears throat> I just Googled Estonian food, mm-hmm. and you mentioned uh, you know delicious food. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say that's a subjective comment. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Please continue. Um, uh, but yeah, so Croatia, there's beautiful beaches in Croatia. Also, cost of living is fairly low as well. Um, and yeah, so Croatia has opened. Now, I'm trying to find stuff specifically about the visa. Now, I'm not really seeing much actually about a visa here, um, but at least it seems like it's beautiful um, to visit and live at, and there is a digital nomad community there. Um, Now, here's an interesting one, though, Jared. There is now, as of February 2021, uh, there are a a slew of countries in the uh, Caribbean or Caribbean, (laughs) Jared, that are also offering caramel. uh, (laughs) Right. Or, well, not tomato and tomato, because that would be American and British English. I say apricot. <laughs> um, but so some of these countries in, in the uh, Caribbean or Caribbean, however the hell you say it, are Barbados, Bermuda, Bahamas, Antigua, and Bar- Barbuda, and is it Aguila? Aguila? I don't know. I know. I've, heard, I've seen them before, and I know what you're talking about, but I, I don't know. Now, here's the one, well, downside for me, Jared, but upside for you, is uh, living in some parts of the uh caribbean can be fairly expensive so for you that might be great when you have your yeah, that's fine big investment oh, funds i might write that off but yeah so so i just want to mention a couple of those places because i think they're pretty interesting um and uh, i would certainly love to check out some of those i mean georgia would be really sweet obviously you know thailand vietnam philippines would be great oh i didn't even mention the philippines but that's another one you know lower cost of living now i don't know if they have as good of internet connection as you might get in like Bali, for example. Um, but yeah. So now circling back though, Jared, I do want to mention a little bit more about the actual work because you brought up something that's really, really important, which is you need to have some type of talent. So let's just kind of, to, to end today's episode, let's kind of go through and, uh, and you know, kind of list off a couple different types of jobs. Like you mentioned, like obviously YouTuber or a vlogger or an investor could certainly be one. What are some Mm -hmm. other jobs that you think folks could do in kind of this more nomadic capacity? Um, You can whore your body out. (laughs) I think that's a good one. I think that's a great one, actually. That's pretty easy to do anywhere. Oh, God. Um, you're going to get people sent to jail because I'm pretty sure most of these places, <laughs> prostitution is illegal. Look up local laws. Don't be a fool about it. Come on. That's fair. Um, What else could you do? I'm trying to think. What, what would be something that would be interesting to me? I could imagine myself being some sort of consultant. Yeah, you know, definitely. Where, where it doesn't matter. So maybe I'll, f- I'll fly to a certain location of that company mm-hmm. and I'll present what I can offer and then I would just and then they'd agree obviously and then I would just fly back to wherever I want and do the job from wherever I you know whichever location I feel like being in that day I think a consultant's a great a great suggestion because there's there's so many different types of consulting you could do and you know I've thought a lot about like doing some type and I don't know if there's much money in it but doing some type of education consulting 
Um, so I like that idea. That's a good one. What, what, what kind of education consulting what, what could you do? So it would be like going over curriculum, lesson plans, activities, teaching practices, stuff like that. And it would okay. be, you know, probably physically going into schools, um, either doing trainings with teachers or observing teachers, uh, teach their lessons and giving them feedback. Mm. Another one that I think, now this one I'd have to, it would be sort of a challenge financially. And I, I don't know if I'm okay with that, but it's cool as shit. People respect you. A pilot. Oh, yeah. But once again, there, well, I guess you're. Yeah, you're you're a nomad, I guess, theoretically, but I think there there's a lot more restrictions because you can only, unless you're like a baller pilot and you have your own like private piloting company, I think if you're working for a commercial airline... Who are you talking to, by the way? That's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Would you think I'm going to be a fi- pilot on Spirit? Is that what you're thinking, Chad? <laughs> Orion, <laughs> Orion Air. <laughs> Someone's getting duct tape in row 13 right. while I'm trying to land in uh, Fort my Lauderdale. Parents, <laughs> my parents, they, make two, they have $2 million net worth. <laughs> yeah, Spirit doesn't even make that much every year, okay? Shut up and sit down. <laughs> That's what I say over the, uh, uh, we'll be uh, landing in Fort Lauderdale in 25 minutes, and uh, um, uh, Blake in row 15, if you don't shut the fuck up, <laughs> I'm going to come back there myself, and I'll make you shut up. Now, please enjoy the flight. That's I can a see myself pilot voice right there. I think, I think a, pilot, a pilot gig would be fun. Yeah. Yeah, I would say musician, but I have no talent at all. Well, and, once again, and musician that takes talent, right? Well, and the thing with musician too is, I mean, what are you going to do? Are you going to busk? You know, like I know some people do that, but that does Everyone not start like somewhere. Chad, true, true. Yeah, musician I think would be a trickier one because uh, that's really dependent on, you know, uh, um, unless you're not only playing gigs, but you might have to like teach on the side. Like that's the tricky thing is a lot of these nomadic types of jobs. A lot of times, unless you're, you know, unless you're living in a place where the cost of living is really low and your income is, you know, high enough, a lot of, it seems like a lot of people have two to three different types of gigs, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, I've just been throwing out, a, do you have any? Of course. As well? Of course. Oh, let's I have a bunch go of back them. and forth. I have some more too, but please, let's go back and so forth. So a big one now because of just, you know, being online, doing anything with like copywriting, SEO type of like Google or search engine uh, optimization type of marketing doing mm-hmm. things like Facebook ads um, or, or um, something like that. Obviously, this is this is a super obvious one, but being like a, a like an influencer, like, you know, to promote different it's a good products. One. It's a good one. Or whatever, you know. Uh, Nomad Chad with the Osprey backpack, you know, getting getting that, you know, money from Osprey for promoting their great backpacks. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's a good... That is a good one. That is a good one. And I could see you being terrible at that um <laughs> you're killing my I'm, I'm thinking of this as a future for me jared and you're just killing it <laughs> uh i have one that i think i'm I, I don't think i'd be good at either but i think it's a great way to travel the world and i'm gonna say that's a weapons dealer like an international what? weapons okay. dealer have you ever seen like the movie war dogs i haven't or have you seen uh what's that nicholas cage movie what the hell is that nicholas cage movie he's been in so many movies dude i have no Ooh, idea uh, lord of one. war lord of war okay. that's what it is nope. uh okay uh well it seems like a very um accessible lifestyle mm-hmm. at least war dogs made it seem very accessible there are various lists where uh the federal or the like the the government 
this is from a movie by the way i don't know if this is true where the government will uh you know like contract out smaller weapons purchases from uh from more like there's some sort of equal opportunity right? mm-hmm. yeah exactly and so if you can find them source them travel the world see a lot of cool eastern european countries a lot of cool um you know a, a lot of cool middle eastern countries right and i think that'll be a great way to travel the world and kind of have your own schedule as well sure so i'm gonna throw that out there and some people find guns cool not my thing but i i guess i get it right well, but even being a weapons dealer doesn't mean it has to be guns. You know, it could be it could be it's true explosives, grenades, knives. I was thinking too, but knives, I was thinking smaller, yeah. <laughs> smaller scale. Uh, okay, yeah, but, okay, but yeah, but, sure. but tanks. Oh, smaller. Sorry, smaller. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Badass Humvees and stuff. Now that would be fun. That yeah, would be cool. yeah, with like a big fifty cal sticking out the back, right? No, smaller, smaller. Sorry, I'm, <laughs> I'm a weapons dealer, Chad. This is just how my brain works the, as a the, weapons the dealer. The thing you did mention, though, is uh, mm-hmm. I mean, doing independent contract work is I think another really good type of way to yeah. maybe get your foot in the nomadic Kyle, door. All right, I got a good one. Okay, how is your card get playing skills? Oh, I'm terrible. Poker playing, online bro. poker Blackjack. playing, Jack. Oh yeah. Online in person, you know, hit up the some hot spots, you know. My uh, I go from Monaco to uh Vegas, you know, to uh, I don't know, what's another place people like to gamble. You know, I go to these gambling hot spots and I really just clean up. But really people don't realize that I'm just counting cards, which is is not illegal, I I've learned. So that's another one. Okay. Like some sort of uh, gambler of some sorts. That would be dope, dude. That Casino would, Royale. That for would all be you crazy. Know, James Bond sitting across from you. You're just trying to win some money for the night. Well, James Bond's like, I'm going to kill the guy sitting next to you. And you're like, listen, I'm just trying to win uh, because, you know, I need this. I'm and a see, once nomad. you develop one of those Card skills, nomads. Jared, you can, uh, like we've, we've already talked about consulting, so this will be a little bit similar also, like doing something like being a life coach, or 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 even uh, as much as I yes. hate a lot of these guys uh, and gals, <laughs> is dating coaches. I, I, I love you could where your do a dating at. coach being a dating coach anywhere. I love where your head's at. I honestly think it might work better being a foreigner. What being a dating coach? Any sort of like inspirational like guru or like right? I think it might be better. I remember seeing, I saw a documentary many years ago. I don't remember what it's, oh, I'm Not Your Guru, I think is what it's called. Okay. And it was just some random American dude, but I think he he had, so I either, I think he was Indian, like he had some just Indian back, like background, that's mm-hmm. what his, his parents and family or whatever, um, and he just sort of dressed up as, a, as this guru, and people started following him, and he got like a legitimate following, um, and he was just doing it all as like an experiment for this documentary. Um, that's and crazy. He pretended to be a guru, and people started following him. So yeah, and then eventually he told them, and and some people got really mad. Some people kept following him. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, he's still a genius. Uh, do you have any other ones that would interest you? Well, well, the big one is is super obvious, Jared. But just language teacher. You know, I mean, you mm, can yes. especially with online now. I mean, you can do that basically anywhere now. Once again, the tricky thing is, do you go with a company or do you go independent? And when you go independent. All the onus is on you, and I can tell you right now, I just personally don't have the marketing skills and all the other skills it would take kind of in the back office to really make that run. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so so I personally would probably go with a company, but once again, if you go with a company, that could also put some limitations on where where you can and cannot be. But if you do the independent route, then you're free to go and do whatever, you know, uh, live wherever you want. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, That's I mean, you, you, I'm so glad though, Jared, you brought up the point of it's super important regardless of, you know, if you want to try out the nomad, uh, digital nomad lifestyle um, in the U.S. or abroad to have some type of marketable skill, whether it be a writer, uh, marketing, advertising, um, maybe investing as well as you've mentioned. There's a lot of different things. One thing though, too, that um, is interesting in terms of nomadic work that I don't think you and I would, either of us would be open to, but I do follow a couple van lifers who do this, is seasonal work. So if you're super into like camping and nature, there's all sorts of different things you can do seasonally, at least I know of in the U.S., where you can travel like out west or go somewhere. You might have to work, you know, like out in the fields all day long, but it would be enough to at least pay your bills. I know some people also work as like a campsite host um, or, or they work for like the state parks or do something like that. So that's another about, way if you, uh, yeah, go ahead. What about like an au pair? Take care of some kids. Once again, then you're, the, I'm thinking these seasonal gigs are more if you're really trying to move around. If you're an au pair, I it's see. great if you want to have that home base in one spot. For like but a once year again, or two, yeah. as an au pair, you won't have that flexibility if, you know, unless your family is really cool and they're like, oh yeah, go ahead and take the weekend off and go, go see this place. I think you, I think, I think you're expected to get vacation as okay. an au pair. They, I think they allow, I don't think you're expected to be on the clock 24 seven. Right. Well, I, I, I know that. I know it's not 24 seven. The au pair system expects you to give your au pair some time off at some point. As, um, as they yeah. should. <laughs> sure. sure. Yeah. Cause it is a normal job, but yeah, no, that's true. You don't have the freedom to just like explore. Uh, definitely. Right. But it is a good opportunity for you to just go and live in a different country for a bit. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Know? I tell you what, though, man, this episode's got me excited. I do like that Nomad Chad title. That has a great ring to it. Yeah, you're welcome. And uh, if I have to go Jason Bourne, we got two other options with Nomad Brad and Nomad Vlad. (laughs) I really like Nomad Vlad. That's pretty cool. And it really works with my whole banking banking idea to have the Nomad Vlad and Chad. It's perfect. Exactly. Exactly. Would Uh, you be willing to properly learn Russian? Because just imagine if you had a Nomad Chad and Vlad YouTube channel. And you kind of just do the exact same videos, but in English and Russian. That'd be very impressive. That'd be pretty cool. I mean, is yeah. there? I'm wondering, is there a German-speaking name that's similar to Chad? Well, they don't have that "ah" sound. You know, Nomad yeah. Chad. Chat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't quite work. Wouldn't quite work. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Well, anyways, let us know some of your favorite uh, either nomadic, uh, digital, or otherwise spots or jobs at untranslatablepodcast at gmail.com. You can slide into those DMs on Twitter, untranslatable1, the number one. Also, check us out on Instagram and YouTube, untranslatablepodcast. And please, five-star reviews on iTunes. Let us know how we can make this podcast better for you. So as we say here at the Untranslatable Podcast, yekuyame, muchas gracias, shisha, and dosvidanya. though man nomad chad i might have to go change my insta handle like right now i know it's already taken can i do like an underscore Um, yeah there's probably something nomad chad maybe yeah i didn't do that much research into it but all i saw was nomad chad nothing in between nomad chad period so you could still try dash underscore or official Yes. Yes. <laughs> Dude, I'm going to change that right now. The real Nomad Chad. That is hilarious. <laughs> oh, man. All right. I gotta figure, see, once again, Jerry, I'm so bad with social media. I gotta figure by out the how time, to actually do that. By the time you figure out how to do it, they're all going to be taken. Right? <laughs> all right. How do we... I gotta figure this out now. Gotta... 
Nomad Chad. Yeah, I don't know. It has a great ring to it, dude. 